Hello and welcome to the podcast Management 101. Uh, I'm your host, Max Wenneker. Uh, nice to meet you. I uh, am definitely looking for a better name for this podcast, so uh, if you wouldn't mind just sending me a message with any punny ideas that you have, I'd certainly appreciate them. Um, this podcast is going to be focused on how to be a better manager and leader. And it's going to be focused particularly on the startup setting, which has its own unique challenges, but it is applicable pretty much anywhere. I wanted to start off with just um, a little bit about myself and why I'm why I'm doing this. Uh, and then I'm going to talk about today the, the basics of being a first-time manager. And you might think, well, I've been a manager for a while. I can promise you there are some things you could learn from this podcast. At the very least, I would love your feedback and, and any input you have. Management's definitely not something that there's a perfect methodology for, and everyone certainly has their own opinions, and I'm always looking to, to hear from others around how they approach it. Um, I, I love managing people. I think it is my calling in life. Uh, I really love helping people be their best selves in a professional setting, and I have found that um, being a great manager is the key to enabling that both for the individuals in a team as well as an entire organization. So I'll tell you a little bit about my background. Um, I, uh, I went to college. Well, I guess first I'm from the Boston area. I'm a huge Red Sox fan and I love Dunkin coffee. I'm definitely what they refer to as a mass hole. Um, I went to school in St. Louis at Wash U. I did my undergrad in, in uh, business and then I went over to Capital One where I was an analyst for about a year and a half uh, and then moved over to Uber in 2014. And that was the early days of Uber. And I spent six years there in a bunch of different roles, first in Washington, D.C., and then in Brazil and then Mexico, where I got to build my first team uh, that was running driver operations for all of Latin America. And then uh, after three years in, in Latin America, I moved over to uh, Jump, which was the bike and scooter division of Uber at the time. And I built up the central operations team there for the United States and Canada. And I left in early 2020 to take some time off. Uh, and uh, that time off was intended to be traveling. But of course, the pandemic hit and I got stuck in my apartment in San Francisco, which wasn't quite what I had envisioned. So I decided to start working with um, startups just to see if the things I had learned at Uber around being an effective leader and an effective manager and, and how to scale a business really quickly were actually applicable elsewhere. Uh, and I found that the answer was absolutely yes. I worked with a number of early stage startups and uh, really enjoyed helping those founders sort of find their way as they grew. Um, and in particular, helping them figure out how to build their teams and best set up their people for success. Um, after a year of that, I moved over to Incredible Health, where I was their vice president of operations for a little over a year and built up that operations team and was part of their executive team. And um, I started with a group of eight and we grew to a team of 60 by the time I left. And um, one of the things that I'm most proud of is uh, I, I hired from that team six different managers, uh, many of whom had never had any management experience before and who were able to develop um, working alongside me into exceptional people managers and leaders who are going to serve that organization for 
a long time to come. And uh, now I'm focused uh, again on my uh, consulting work and, and coaching early stage founders. Um, I love working with startups. I think that the startup world is simply fascinating and there are lots of unique challenges. Uh, you can see me write about some of them on my blog. You can find that at maxwenneker.com. That's M-A-X-W-E-N-N-E-K-E-R.com. Um, and I would love to hear from you all around challenges you're facing in your own organizations, uh, things that I can write about or talk more through to to sort of impart my wisdom and what I've learned from many years of experience in the fast growth startup world. So now let's let's talk about uh, management. Uh, first, I want to just start with what I think of as the main responsibilities that a manager has. And I think it really just boils down to uh, one thing more than anything. And But I, I don't know that it's commonly thought of this way. I think your main responsibility as a manager is simply to enable your people to do their best work. Uh, and that means uh, the people on your team and the people in your larger company that work with you. Um, the reason I say that um, it's to enable others to do their best work is you as a manager, you don't really deliver much work yourself necessarily. I mean, you might step in to do some slides or there might be sort of like a player coach setup where you're still delivering on work even though you're managing a team. But for the most part, the reason you're a manager is to help others be effective in their work. Otherwise, there's not really any reason for you. Um, so your job is to make sure that others are able to deliver the work that they need to in the most effective and productive and efficient way possible. Um, and that brings me to sort of the uh, first lesson of of management that I learned early on, which is a great manager needs to delegate. Um, when I when I say a great manager needs to get delegate, I mean that uh, this often doesn't happen. What what normally happens in early stage startups or really any growing company is the people who are promoted to managers tend to be the ones who are the highest performing individual contributors. Those are people who are not managers who are just doing, um, you know, delivering work. So when those individual contributors who are the highest performing get promoted into manager roles, well, they already tend to have the personality of someone who does really great work and is used to being self-sufficient. When they get promoted into the manager role, there is a natural tendency on their part to keep doing that, uh, to keep owning the responsibilities they had before, um, and it may not even be purposeful. It may just be like, I, you know, no one has told me otherwise. I'm going to keep doing the things I'm going to be doing, and then I'm going to also manage people. And uh, I learned the hard way from one of my first managers at Uber uh, that that was not the way to go about being a great manager. Because the problem was, I kept doing all my own work, and all the people who were reporting to me needed my help. Uh, and I was spending very little time with them, helping them figure out how to do work. And I was also not delegating work to them that they probably could have done better or spent more time on and figured out a better way to go about executing that work. And so I got very lucky in my first, my first managerial role. My, my boss actually told me, you need to go home for two days and write down everything that you do, uh, make instructions for it. And then when you come back on Friday, uh, we're going to sit down and we're going to figure out who on your team is going to own all these things. That was one of the best lessons I ever, I ever got as a manager. And honestly, if she hadn't said anything, I probably would not have had a very long tenure as a, as a manager and certainly would not have been a successful one. So she really helped me think about, well, I need to hand off work to my team in order to 
um, have the time to actually devote to being their manager. And that means um, not doing work. That means helping them do work. Uh, and so uh, we'll, we'll certainly, over the course of these podcasts, talk about delegation. But I just I just wanted to call out that first things first, you need to devote your time, first and foremost, to helping your team do their work and not just doing work yourself. So how do we enable people to do their best work? Um, I think it really boils down to, at, at least at first, just one thing, which is building trust. Uh, you as a manager need to create an environment where your team trusts you. That's the only way that you're going to be able to be effective because that's the only way that they're going to believe what you tell them. That's the only way that they're going to be comfortable telling you what's going on, even when it's sometimes not what you would want to hear. That's the only way that uh, they're going to have the buy-in to you to help them be successful, to help them learn, uh, to be their coach, to be their cheerleader. Uh, it's the only way that uh, you can come across as genuine as if you have the trust of your people. And so when I, um, when I join a new role, and I think this is very helpful for not just new managers, but even people who are in their roles already, for instance, founders who have recently hired people who are reporting to them, I think it's really helpful to just start off and, and understand how that person works. Being a being a manager first and foremost is, you know, if you're going to help them be the most effective people they can be, well, you need to understand them as people. And so um, I, I like to start and just ask some questions about who they are. Uh, why are they doing this job? What aspects of this job or other jobs have they liked? What aspects have they disliked? Uh, I ask them to tell me about really great managers they've had in the past because there's a lot of nuggets in there that'll probably help me figure out how to be a great manager for them. Uh, and I also ask them to tell me, and sometimes this is a little easier for people to come up with, uh, tell me about the worst manager you've had or a really bad manager you've had and uh, what are the things that made that relationship so bad or made them such a bad manager and and sometimes people will say, particularly if they don't come from a you know typical corporate background, well, I've never really had a manager per, per se before. And you can also ask them about a supervisor or someone who assigned them work or even like a coach in a sport. Um, and uh, I'm, everyone has examples of people who have been in authority positions that uh, did that rubbed them the wrong way and did not help them do their best work. Um, the reason that it's helpful to ask these things is because sometimes people don't really appreciate when they have a good manager, but they definitely know when they have a bad one. And so you might get some really interesting info from someone who, uh, when you're asking them to think about, uh, you know, who their best manager is. But when you ask them about their worst manager, they definitely can come up with some very uh, specific things that they did not like. Um, and one of the things that I most often hear um, is I just didn't feel listened to. Uh, that's probably the number one thing that, that folks tell me when, when they join my team or when I join a team and they're reporting to me is I, you know, I had a manager who just like told me what to do and didn't listen. And, um, I think that that's a really key learning or observation that, that team members have, which is, you know, if you don't feel listened to, I mean, just think of any environment where you don't feel listened to, are you going to feel very comfortable in that environment? Are you likely to be as productive in that environment? Are you likely to stay in that environment? 
And I imagine that the answer, at least for me, definitely the answer is of course not. And I imagine for most others, the same answer is the same. Um, building trust is the key to helping ensure people feel listened to, people feel cared about, um, and ultimately ensuring that people are doing what they're supposed to be doing. One of the other things that I like to uh, think about as a manager is it's my job to define where we're headed, right? The end goal that we're trying to get to. But when I'm managing a team, it is almost guaranteed that everyone in that team knows more about the problems that we are dealing with than I do. Uh, when I was uh, at Incredible Health, I managed a team of customer service folks um, who worked directly with uh, the nurses who applied on our platform to look for jobs. They certainly knew a lot more about about those nurses and their experience and what they were looking for than, than I did. Um, now, I could say, well, this is where we need to get to. We want to make sure that we're uh, onboarding 10% more nurses next month or something like that. But the way that we get there, I'm definitely not going to be an expert in because I don't necessarily have an understanding of all the problems that are stopping us from getting there. And so I'd, I'd like to differentiate as a manager the what from the how. And the, the what is definitely for a manager to, um, to define, right? This is where we're going. Our goal is to increase this metric by X percent. But the how is more collaborative. Of how we get there, this is where two brains are better than one. And certainly you as a manager only have a limited amount of knowledge around how everything works in your organization. And this is where you really need to defer to your people and and trust in uh, the information they're providing you to be able to make the most effective decisions around how to get there. The most successful managers are focusing on the what and then helping guide their team to get the best how possible but they are not dictating per se how to get there. And so really important for first-time managers in particular to separate that what from the how. Um, you're managing a team of subject matter experts who know more than you do, and therefore they're going to understand that how um, a lot better. They're going to also come up with some ideas for the how that you may not have thought of. And it's your job as a manager not to come up with all the ideas, but rather to create an environment where others are able to come up with ideas and where you are sort of the rock tumbler that takes an idea from a unpolished uh, rock that you find, let's say, in the, in, on the beach and tumble it, bounce, bounce that idea off your team and enable discussion in a way that turns it into a beautiful, shiny rock that you want to put on your mantle. Um, I don't know if that was the best example, but I, that's how I like to think about managing is being the being the rock tumbler. Okay, so we've we've talked now about what your main responsibility as a manager is, which is enabling your team to do their best work, uh, and then we've talked about how to get there, which is first and foremost to build trust. Um, now, how to most effectively allocate your time, or what are your priorities as a manager, and we're going to focus on the very basics today, so we're not going to go super in depth. But I, I think that this is a help. Even some of these basic concepts are very helpful, both for first-time managers and for managers who've been doing it a while, who maybe aren't getting all the results that they're looking for. If you're a founder who feels like there's more that you could get out of your organization, or you're not quite heading in the right direction, it's very possible that you are causing that either, um, you know, 
by your action or your inaction. And it's all related to how you're managing your team and how you're enabling them. So um, one thing I wanted to call out in terms of how the best managers prioritize their time versus the worst managers. Uh, the worst managers that I've, I, I have had are the ones that have mostly focused upward and outward. Um, these are managers who are, um, you know, for lack of a better word, sometimes yes men or or suck ups to their man to their managers to to your skip level. They're really focused on creating positive relationships with their managers and uh, their peers. And then sort of as a secondary responsibility, they're focused on interactions with their own team. What I find happens in those situations is uh, I, I often have not felt listened to by my manager uh, when they're focused so much on um, you know upward management, on talking to their superiors and making sure they're doing what their superiors want. Uh, because they're often just coming to me and saying, this is what X or Y superior of mine said needed to happen. Uh, and they're not really listening to me trying to figure out sort of like how to make it happen or why that might not be a re realistic and uh, what context my manager needs in order to be able to make effective decisions. Whereas the best managers prioritize first and foremost interactions with their team and um, in particular do a lot more listening than they do talking. If you um, talk to previous direct reports of mine, um, you'll pretty consistently hear them say, Max asked me a lot of questions. And uh, the reason I do that is because I am assuming, as I think most managers should, that uh, I know nothing. And I am here to learn about the challenges that the person is facing, that their team is facing, that the company is facing. I'm here to absorb information and then help make decisions, not dictate based on what I think I know and just tell people what to do. And so I, I spend a lot of time just asking questions, trying to understand. And um, I, as a manager, one of my most effective tools is active listening, where not just I'm trying to ask them questions and hear what they say, but also repeat back to them, sort of summarize what I thought they said so I can make sure that I understood and so they can know that I understood. So uh, sometimes my one-on-ones can run a little uh, on the longer side, but I, I find that that's a good thing because it's it's an exchange of information. It's not a dictation by me. It's uh, me getting all the possible information from my team members so that one, of course, that they can feel heard, but two, just as importantly to the business, I have all the information I need to make uh, effective decisions and to speak with my superiors to make sure they have the information they need to make effective decisions. Um, the, the best information is going to come from the people actually doing the work, which are the people reporting to you and reporting to the managers who report to you. So um, all that's to say that I think it's really important as a uh, manager to prioritize interactions with your team members first and everything else should sort of come after that. And um, interactions with team, team members, I think, first and foremost, take the form of one-on-ones. A one-on-one -on -one is a weekly or bi-weekly meeting between you and each of your direct reports individually, which is meant to be a time where you can check in on the progress of their work, check in on how they're doing as both professionals and as human beings, 
and also provide them additional context on what's going on in the broader organization, things like new initiatives or new priorities that they need to be aware of in order to do their jobs effectively. Uh, and it's meant to be a problem-solving session where they say, here are the things blocking me from accomplishing this task or this project in a timely manner. Um, I need your help to unblock those things. And my job as a manager is to then go do the blocking and tackling and sort of clear the way for them so that they can be effective. So I always say to my first time managers, schedule your one-on-ones and never ever cancel them unless you're literally on vacation. Uh, all the other meetings, you know, you could, you could move a one-on-one around if you need to, but make sure to have them consistently because that's the way that you get the best information about what's going on in your business, in your team, and that's the way that your team members will feel heard uh, and feel prioritized, and therefore you build that trust with them. Um, so it, it uh, sometimes you'll have one-on-ones that maybe aren't super uh, informative or very long, but just the act, the habit of having one-on-ones on a regular basis and asking good questions around what your team is up to versus uh, what they want to be doing versus what they think needs to happen that they're not able to accomplish currently, you're gonna build that trust and you're also gonna get a ton of information from them around um, key decisions that you're gonna need to make as a leader. So we are uh, over 20 minutes now. Hopefully I've only bored 90% of my audience at this point. Um, I just wanna close up with a, a couple books that I think are sort of like game changers as a manager, uh, first time manager, certainly, but even the seasoned managers that have worked for me have given me the positive feedback that these books were incredibly helpful to them because they just think about management from a slightly different perspective than you might get in the classroom. Um, the, the first book is called First Break All the Rules, What the World's Greatest Managers Do Differently. And it's from, from the Gallup organization. The reason I like this book is um, there's a lot of management theory that's based on sort of like what one person thinks makes a good manager and is not necessarily based on reflection from actual experience. This book does a basically a poll. They ask organizations for who their best managers are, and then they go interview those managers and see what they do that's different than the worst managers and what what results is like literally a list of best practices from these great managers across a bunch of different companies as to how they get the best results and how they are such effective people managers. So that's first break all the rules with the world's greatest managers do differently. And then the second book is called Radical Candor, Be a Kick-Ass Boss Without Losing Your Humanity. And that's by Kim Scott. Um, this book talks about how the important concept in being an effective manager is to both uh, challenge your direct reports while also caring about them. And uh, the book is focused on the, this two-by-two two matrix of uh, challenging and caring uh, as the two axes and how you really want to fall into the bucket of challenging directly but also caring deeply about your team because if you fall into just one of those buckets or neither of them, you end up being a very non-optimal manager. So highly recommended reading both of these books. Um, I've read both of them multiple times. That I always go back to them and get some great anecdotes and examples from all of them to inform my own management style. And um, I think these are great books, both for first-time managers and, uh, and seasoned veterans alike. 
Thanks so much for listening. Uh, again, my name is Max Weneker. Uh, if you want to follow this podcast, you can find it on Spotify, uh, as well as linked on my website, uh, maxwenneker.com. Um, please feel free to reach out, uh, on my website or on LinkedIn. If you, uh, want to chat about your own managerial challenges, I, I do offer, uh, coaching services for, for uh, leaders of startups. Um, I really like helping leaders figure out how to be the most effective they can be um, and how to make their businesses succeed. And um, also would love feedback on what we talked about today. If there were certain pieces of this that were more helpful than others, certain things you really want dived into more in future podcasts. And uh, I also, again, Management 101 is my working title, but I, I would love something a little bit punnier um, going forward and am certainly open to feedback from more visionary and creative individuals than myself. Thanks a lot.